0: You're listening to the Church of Life and Praise podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, please visit us at churchoflifeandpraise.com or check us out on Facebook. Our prayer is that you would come to know Jesus in a deeper way. Now, enjoy the message. come down and just hit us we've got to worship we've got to enter into his presence and when we do that's when God's presence comes that's when he sets up his throne as the Bible said he inhabits the praises of his people comes and sets up his throne among his people because they're honoring him amen and as you honor him in your praise and your worship then he moves in amen and he comes and just flows among you. You know, you can't go by feelings. You can't go by your feelings. You may come to church even today, Res- um, Resurrection Sunday, and just feel low, feel sick, feel tired. But that's when you press into worship. And that's when you begin to praise him, and then the Spirit begins to move. You know, right while you're singing that song, the Lord, the Lord spoke to me and said, as we sing that song, God will heal people. That was a prayer. Now, what you do is you respond to the song and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. You don't just sit there and listen. You respond to the song, lift up your hands and say, God, I receive that prayer. I mean, even if you don't feel sick, just say, I receive the prayer. Because why? Because we are in love with Jesus. Because we're in love with Jesus, we respond. Amen? For the goodness of God. Praise God. I still feel his presence. Now I want you to know, we're not in a hurry. When we come to church and I come to church, I don't come to church to get out in five minutes. I come to church to spend time with Jesus. Yes. If I go to dinner with someone, or lunch with someone, I don't keep looking at my watch and wondering, And what's that going to tell my friend? I'm not really interested in his company. I'm just coming just just to satisfy the fact. But then if we sit down and we start interacting, we get engaged in talking. All of a sudden we go, oh my goodness, where's the time gone?" And that's the same way we, when we come to church. We come to church to what? Fellowship with Jesus. We don't come to church to wait till time gets over so we can go home. What's the sense to come? Stay home. Amen? Amen. But oh, when we come into his presence, there's fullness of joy, there's peace, there's healing. You know, you, you've heard me say it over and over again. When you begin to worship and praise God, you don't have to have anybody lay hands on you. You can just be healed. Your discouragement will go. God will speak to you, literally speak to you. We don't have to have great big long prayer lines and some big evangelists come. All we got to have is the presence of God and I'm not against any of that. We've had it here and we've had speakers and everything else and God's moved. God moves either way. But we don't have to have that. We just have you and Jesus. And a group of people that are in love with him. And I know you're in love with him. So respond to his love. Amen? Isn't God good? If uh, I could have the podium, please. I want to welcome everybody here. Glad you came. Glad it's easier. I got up this morning. I was excited for the fact. Especially because it wasn't raining and the sun was out. And uh, but especially because it was Easter and I was in my study praying and uh, I guess I forgot what time it was but I was in my study praying and, and I, I was just walking, talking to the Lord and, and I just, finally I just said I lifted up my hands and I said Happy Easter Jesus and when I did I just broke and just cry and cry and cry. Begin to think of what he did for us. How he saved us. Yes, yes. How he filled us with his spirit. How he's healed us. I mean, he truly is the resurrection and the life. Yes, amen. amen. We can come. I just want to talk about you, the significance of the empty tomb. And the thing of it is, it's empty. He's not there. I've been to Israel and I saw the empty tomb. I saw it twice. It's such a feeling when you walk in there. If you haven't been, if you have never made a, a trip to Israel, you should really try to save your money and go. Go with a small group. Don't go with a great big group because you don't get the significance of it with a big group. Don't go with more than 20, 25 people. Pastor Charles oh, Johnson. Pastor Charles Johnson goes, I think, just about every year. And uh, It's awesome. It's awesome. Amen? Praise God. And uh, if you possibly can, uh, I guess you could make it a pilgrimage for your own faith, because your faith has increased. Amen. Amen. And that's the glorious significance of the tomb. And out of the emptiness of that tomb, Jesus cries this, I'm the resurrection and the life. That's more than just a cute cliche. Do you believe it? He's the resurrection and the life. Think about it now. People today are not living. I don't know what I was watching, something. I don't know what it was. And, and it just showed a picture of a city and, and uh, just uh, people rushing back and forth and, and um, going and coming. And they're seeing the cars going and everything else. And I sat there and I looked at that and I thought, dear God, they're so lost. so lost. If they only knew Jesus. Only knew the resurrection. The life. Searching, searching, searching. And I'm here today to tell you that he's the resurrection and the life. He who believes. Now, if you don't believe, that's your prerogative. It's your prerogative. Don't We pray that you do. But if you don't, it's your loss. It's not ours. We urge you. We try to convince you. We try to talk to you. We're burdened for you. We pray. We seek God. but burn for the loss. And as we go out in the city and they rebuff you, it's not your loss. It's theirs. You don't get angry or upset. You pray for them. Like Pastor Jim went to pray for a lady uh, a while ago, and she refused. He looked at her, and he said, I'm going to pray for you anyway. He didn't pray for her right there, but when he got back to the car, he prayed for her. But you know what? Travis, she won't forget that. She won't forget that. That's why we go out. That's why we feel the urge. This morning, went in to get a coffee for my wife. And I was standing there was talking, and talking. I was lying there and, and everything else. And uh, when I went to the lady, the cashier, and she was new. She was nervous, and uh, she um, see this is this is this is resurrection life. What Jim was offering, Pastor Jim was offering that lady was resurrection life. He didn't go up and preach and open up a Bible and stop preaching to it. He just said, "Can I pray for you?" That's resurrection life. Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the life." He is that because the tomb is empty. That's the significance of the empty tomb. It's empty. I said, "It's empty." Amen. And I think sometimes it becomes so common to us, we as Christians, this kind of the sensitivity. Of the fact that the tomb is empty. I mean, I went into that tomb and oh my Lord, I felt the presence of God. And I looked at that slab where he was supposed to have laid and I just stood there and just looked at it. And I said, My God, he laid there. Jesus was there. What a feeling. But he's not there. And, 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 and I like the, the ending of, of the Passion. It wasn't ethereal and mystical and all of that. I mean, it showed, the, if you ever watched it, it showed the stone rolling away. Light coming in to the tomb. Then you saw the cloth and stuff that he was wrapped in, it just started shrinking. And then you saw one side of his body, and he stepped out, walked out of the tomb. And that was it. And something just went down over me. He stepped out of the tomb, it's empty. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yeah. now it's appointed unto us, every uh, uh, unto us, every one of us, that right. we die. Mm-hmm. If the rapture doesn't take place first, but there's also <laughs> hope for us to have the rapture. And there's hope for those that die. A lot of people say, "I wonder what you know." We talk about the rapture. I wonder what people do when they die. They're in the grave waiting for Jesus to speak that word and the trumpet to sound. <laughs> the Christians, spiritual Christians have got life in them. Just like it said in, in, in the, the video, or what, what I said in the video of, of, of my teaching, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you are infused with resurrection life. Do you realize you've got resurrection life in you? You can go through hell and high water. But you will always come out on top. Praise the Lord. You will always come out on top. You will always be victorious. Now, we think of victorious as shouting, dancing, and everything. We had a little bit of that here today. We had to... Force you into it, but you did it. <laughs> you know, you know, we got, we got, but you know something? There's victory in endurance. You just don't give in. That's victory. You can be aching all over, but you will not give in to the fact that Jesus is the healer. Healing may not come right away, but you have the victory over the fact that Jesus, and because of that endurance, because of, of the, 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 the determination that you have, you have victory. Victory isn't always in the shout, it will come after. But victory sometimes is in just plain endurance. I know Jesus lives. I know the Bible's true. And I'm not giving into this. You don't deny your sickness. You don't deny your problem. You have a problem. You acknowledge it. But you say, I'm not going to give in to it. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He came out of that tomb and he went to Calvary so that I could be healed and set free. And I am determined to live by that policy. That's why Jesus put in there, he that endures to the end shall be saved. That's an endurance sometimes. Don't give in. That's victory. We think victory is the end result. No, victory is enduring and standing firm while you are there. The resurrection life is working in you. The tomb is empty. That's the significance of the empty tomb. And you know what? God honors that. God looks down and when you're standing there and you're going through hell and you're still standing. God looks at you and says, I love them. That's someone I can use. That's someone I can depend on. And he will come to your rescue. And understand this, no matter what you're going through, God will and is mindful of you and will take you through and bring you forth to complete victory. He's not going to let you down. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Amen. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. You see, you're going to, this body is going to go into the grave, but you don't die. Those that believe in God and trust God will, and and, and, and their body uh, passes uh, will go to be with Jesus, waiting for the second coming. Those that go into the grave will die. Uh, will, the body will decay and die, but they won't die. We're eternal. And the best thing is that when we see the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit is in, uh, infused in us, we receive the eternal life it's resonant in us, and we, we, we die in hope. Amen. amen why do you look for the living among the dead he ain't here the women went with fear and trembling they didn't see him went and told the disciples and Chris you know now don't don't, don't all stand up and, and get upset but in that day the, the, the women's word wasn't really too taken too seriously it was a man's world then. and I'm not getting into all of that crazy stuff that we're into today. There's still men, there's still women. We'll leave it at that. but they, 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 oh, they, they said, well, they just got excited. you know but P- I like Peter. I like Peter. he's my kind of man. He's going to get to the bottom of it. He may get judgmental. He may say a few things out of turn, but I want to tell you he goes and, and finds out and gets, gets the facts. Mm-hmm. So Jesus goes and runs to the tomb. And I believe John is, is with him and goes into the tomb. He's, he investigates. But the sad part it is, John and James, uh, John and Peter went into the tomb and they went back home. Let's not be like that. Let's not just take it for granted. They didn't have a, they didn't get it until Jesus opened their understanding. But the tomb was empty. Death was swallowed up in victory, and death received a mortal boy. I, I, and the joyous Easter hymn rings out, um, the glorious anthem. And when I'm reading, it says, "Up from the grave he arose." with a mighty triumph over his foes. A rose victor from, there it is, there's victory. Victory over the dark domain. Satan is the God of this world. I want you to tell you, Jesus has got victory over it. When he said it is finished on the cross and his shed blood, he said it is finished and that's what he meant. Everything he came to earth to do was done. All was waiting now is the resurrection to confirm it. All he had done needed the resurrection. Needed the shed blood and the resurrection. But the cross would be nothing if it hadn't been for the resurrection. And then the resurrection and Jesus just rose again and went on his way. And it wouldn't have done the world a bit of good had not there been a Pentecost. Oh, in these days we're trying to push it down and shove it down and quiet it down. Honey, don't quiet Pentecost. It's the clinching thing on the Christian faith. Pentecost is the clinching factor to the manifestation and the power of the church of Jesus Christ. It's the perpetuation of what Jesus began to do. So what happened? when the disciples and those in the upper room received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Christ came into them. The kingdom came in. uh Do you remember when Jesus was here on earth and he's always saying the kingdom of heaven is near you, the kingdom of heaven is near you. You know why? Because he was the embodiment of the kingdom of heaven. And he couldn't pass that kingdom of heaven on until the disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost. And I want to tell you what happened. On the day of Pentecost, the spirit of Jesus came into them. And the kingdom was transferred from his physical body into the spiritual body, which is the church. And we carry out and continue his mission. That's why Jesus said, you see, the works that I do, you're going to do greater. He didn't mean greater in power, but greater in quantity. Because that's going to be more. So. What he was saying, the church is going to continue healing the sick, raising the dead, deliverance, whatever. I mean, to say that all ended at Pentecost, you're saying some serious things. Shouldn't be saying. The church began the ministry of Jesus Christ worldwide. And they needed the power of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit didn't stop on the day of Pentecost. How many know that? I'm not even going to get anywhere because you all know it. Why rehearse it and hash it over? It's true. Just accept it and go. Tomb's empty. <laughs> Skeptics may say what they will. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is fact. The resurrection of Jesus Christ should in an entirely new experience, new faith and new hope and it's become the foundation of courage and love. The empty tomb proclaims that life comes from him. John 10, 17, 18 says, and I love this. I love this. <laughs> oh, it's good. I lay down my life that I may take it again. He was telling the Jews that. Half of them believed in the resurrection, half believed in something else, and half didn't know what they believed. And he said, 18, no one takes it from me, I lay it down. And there was a purpose in him laying it down, and you know the purpose, to, res- to save the world, to reconcile us to God. I have power to lay it down. On the cross, Jesus had and was in uh, complete control. There was not a time that Jesus was not out of control. Look at some of the sayings that he said on the cross. Number one, I thirst. The next thing he looked, and he, he, t- he took care of his home. He took care of his mother. He said, John, take, take her home with you, will you? Now, I know I'm paraphrasing that. Take your mother home. Take, take mom home. He said, mother, a woman. Okay, now that seems sign of cold to us, but it wasn't. woman in those days was a sign of uh, affection and love. He was acknowledging her. And he said, John, take care of her. I mean, he was taking care of things while he was in pain and agony on the cross. I mean, this proves that Jesus is God. The tomb's empty. The tomb is empty. He says, I, I, but I lay down, I lay down, I lay down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Jesus came back to life on his own accord, his own power. There was no voice calling, Jesus, come forth. No stretched out uh, uh, hand upon uh, someone stretched out mean like Elisha did to the Shumanite's son. No hand touched him. He came out of that tomb all by himself. There may have been a chorus of angels there and a group of angels, but Jesus rose from the dead and he walked out of the tomb. The Christian does not ha- uh, view the grave as the end, but rather the beginning. Jesus turned the tomb into a womb from a place of death into a place of life, from sunset to sunrise. Cemeteries have become fields of immortality. He was sown incorruptible, uh, and we shall be raised incorruptible. We will not die. You are not going to die. Your body may go into the grave, but it's not you, honey. You have just left the body and gone on to be with Jesus. If you stay true to it. Amen. Sown as mortals, we shall rise as immortals. The grave shall become the arena of one of Jesus' greatest victories. Death will be defeated. Finally, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty three and 55 says, For our perishable earthly bodies must be transformed into heavenly bodies that will never die. When this happens, when our perishable earthly bodies have been transformed into heavenly bodies that will never die, the scripture will be filled. Death is swallowed up in victory. The grave, the empty, the tomb is empty. Right. Amen. I said the tomb is empty. Yeah. Death has no more power over you. Once you become a child of God, death is has no power over you, has no control over you. We don't sorrow as one of those that have no hope when someone dies. I know I'm going to see my mother there. Can you say amen? I know I'm going to see my brother there. I know I'm going to see some of the old saints that were here in this church that have died and gone on with the Lord. I want to tell you there's going to be a grand rejoicing, but the best thing about it is we're going to see Jesus face to face and he'll show us his hands and there'll be scars in him. And he'll show us his feet and there'll be scars. And inside there'll be a scar. But that's the only thing in heaven that's going to be there from the earth. All that is to us is proof of who he is. If someone comes and tells you that he's a Christ, look, for the, look at his hands and look at his feet. If the scars aren't there, just walk away from him. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your strength? Can you say amen? Amen. But I want to tell you something else, too. The empty tomb speaks to the person who has chosen the lower life of sin, paralyzed by moral decay. The person who has become a slave to sin and his habits has offered hope and eternal life. John 10 says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life. I want to tell you right now, if any of you were thinking of turning back and ignoring the gospel, ignoring the Christian life, don't do it. Don't do it. There's no hope outside of the cross. No hope outside of the blood. No hope outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. You're intelligent? Look around. Is that life? Are we actually looking at life? Do you you think what we're seeing outside of the church is life? Is that living? Mixing up the identities of of of, of, of our uh, the way we were born and, and us, all, all this other stuff, killing babies, that's living? Come on, I know you're more intelligent than that. Don't even have to argue the point. They, they can argue all they want to. You just stand firm and just let them talk and just pray God, open their eyes and let them see. Give them a revelation. Pray for these people. They need Revelation. Our hope is not who's going to get into Washington. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. I hope a man gets in there that's good. Dear God, I'm not, I'm not going down that road. Don't need to. Common sense talks to you. The thief comes or Satan does not come to accept to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and they may have it more abundantly. The empty tomb speaks to the person who has drifted from God, drifting into complacency and one of spiritual experience. I'm reading this, and I know I am that person because I'm trying to take a huge time. That person who is undergoing a process of degeneration, who is becoming more content with things as they are. That person who is suffering from spiritual decay but is content in the spiritual state, accepts it the way it is. That person who is slowly losing awareness. Of the state of his spiritual condition, the tomb is assigned to him that he can be saved. It's an awakening factor. Come alive. Amen. The cross is empty. Don't put him on it. The tomb is empty. Don't put him in it. He's risen as he said. And the emptiness of the tomb still speaks to us after more than 2,000 years. It's a cause of rejoicing. You've got hope today because of the empty tomb. There is no other prophet. There is no other teacher. There is no other king. There is no other ruler whose tomb you go to that says... This tomb is empty. Allah, or whoever they serve, Muhammad, he's got a tomb and he's in it. Or was put in it. And he stayed there. All the other religions, they put their bodies in there and they stayed there. There's only one group of people that has a testimony Of an empty tomb. And I'm looking at you. Now of course I'm talking about the church worldwide. Mm -hmm. I've been redeemed. By love divine. Glory, glory. Christ is mine. My all to him. I now resign. I have been. I have been. Redeemed. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Praise God. And I want to shall tell you something else. Behold, I tell you a mystery, a deep truth. In 1 Corinthians 15, we shall not all die or or die, but we shall be changed. Speaking to us who are living in a moment, think about it now, in a twinkling of an eye, at the trash trump, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and we shall be saved. You know why? Someone tell me why. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Everybody say the tomb, is empty. the tomb is empty. I want you to shout it. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Say it again. The tomb is empty. Give the Lord another shout of praise. Hallelujah. Glory. And that's why we can baptize Natalie. In the wonderful name of Jesus for the remission of sins, praise God, because the tomb is empty. Don't have to worry about it anymore. She is reenacting, and she's been in class, and she knows all about this, so I'm not going to get into that. She's been reenact. She's going to reenact a plan of salvation today. The story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The story that He died, and she's going to be declaring by her action that the tomb is empty. And she believes in in the fact that Jesus Christ has has uh, that she knows Jesus Christ, and that she's um, going to follow after Him and uh, realize the power. You know. You know. I want to tell you something. Water baptism is not just a symbol. Water baptism is part of your salvation. Now, water baptism does not save you. And the water does not save you. All it acts as a picture of the tomb. But the Bible says to repent, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. That is your salvation. Repentance, okay, is acknowledging you are a sinner and that you're going to turn around. Repentance is allowing Jesus Christ and you to become friends again. And you're making a declaration to Jesus. When you pray that sinner's prayer, okay, you're saying to God, I'm, I'm, I'm through with sin. I need help. Repentance is is an admission that I need help and I need salvation. And the blood of Jesus Christ covers you. From the time you repent to the time that you go to heaven, the blood of Jesus Christ covers you. That's That's a fact. No matter where you are, you're covered by the blood. There's power in the blood. But then you make a commitment. and you make a commitment and make a public statement i'm going to follow jesus christ well let me tell it here okay the lord commissioned his disciples to preach remission of sins in his name at luke 24:47 and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at jerusalem Peter commanded the Jewish multitude on the day of Pentecost to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for, for remission of sins. Acts 2.38, then Peter said to them, Repent and everyone, let everyone who be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin." Now, what does remission mean? What does remission mean? Okay, it means to send away. The word signifies a release from bondage. Amen? It means dismissal and forgiveness with the added quality of canceling out all judgment. Punishment, obligation, or debt. When you go down in that water in the authority of the name of Jesus, every sin that you have committed has, will be remitted. Why? Because you're calling on his name. Yes. And his name means salvation. Thou shall call his name Jesus. Or thou shalt call, call his name Jesus because or Jehovah has become my salvation. That's what Jesus' name means. Jehovah has become now it is English. What we say, Jesus. But it is is Jehoshua. Now, all through the Old Testament, God has revealed Himself through His through the various names. No, through through various appearances. And his name, his name is Jehovah. God's name is Jehovah. We say, and we just just saying it, Yahweh. That's the, that's the Jewish translation. God's name, okay, is Jehovah. Now, the last name, Jehoshua, or Jesus, or Jesus, okay, is the final and full revelation of God. God revealed himself all down through the Old Testament as Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah this. He re- spoke his name, and then he spoke a, a, a characteristic of his name. I'm the healer. I'm peace. I'm his. And when Jesus came, embodied in him was everything that God was. He's our peace. He's our healer. He's our victor. He's everything and our and Savior. And when you go down in that water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going down by faith in the authority of his name, the one who shed his blood. Now, I you to tell you, the blood is the foundation of everything. You, b- b- baptism would be nothing had not Jesus shed his blood. Jesus' blood is the, the factor of my, and the foundation of my salvation. Can you say Amen. Thus, when sins are omitted, they are entirely erased. The slate is clean. When you go down in that water, where is she? Oh, Lord. Wonderful. I'm preaching to the wall then. I thought that was going to be all done before. All right. Okay. You come out of that water a new creature by faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I've started now, so I might as well finish it. Okay? Okay. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. Yeah. Yeah. All sins, you are realize, all sins, when you go down that water in the name of Jesus Christ, all sins have been taken away. When you come up out of that water by faith, you come up out a brand new person, free and free from sin. This acts as a line of demarcation. You know, it's like, a, it's like going to the court and, and the judge says, okay, I find no fault in you. Okay, your, your, uh, you know, your, your crime, I'm not going to hold against you. But when the judge slams down his gavel and says, you're innocent, that's final. And that's exactly what's happening. When you go down in that water in the name of Jesus, The gavel has been pounded down. It says, no longer. This is a line of demarcation. You rise by faith. You rise by faith into a brand new life. And God does not and cannot remember your sins. Are you listening to me? I, even I, Isaiah 43 says am he who blots or obliterates or wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, I will not remember your sins. I will not remember your sins. Okay? So, and I must say this first. Also, repentance must precede water baptism. You have got to have a changed heart. You've got to have a changed mind. You've got to have a resolution to follow Jesus Christ. And what repentance does is you admit that you are sinful and that you've committed sin and you need help. So understand water baptism without being preceded by repentance has no saving power. Nevertheless, water baptism does have a part of your salvation. It's just not something that, uh, some display that you just, you just throw out and say, oh, well, we're just going to get baptized and we're just displaying them that way are Christian. No. Water baptism, when you are baptized, you are telling the world and promising Jesus, I'm following you, I'm separating myself from sin, and I'm going to follow. And then when you go down in that water, you meet Jesus. When we pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a transaction that goes that your sins are remitted. Yes. I believe that. Yes. Amen. Now, the blood of Jesus Christ covers us from all sin. And that's true. Like I said, repentance is covered by the blood. This is covered by the blood. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost is covered by the blood. And then there's a continua, continuous sanctification setting apart for holy use that is covered by the blood. You can't... Do away with the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Repentance is a change of mind that changes our direction. We become willing to follow Jesus Christ fully and wholeheartedly. All self-dependence and self-governing ends. Oh, we Christians, how we love to try to govern our own ways. And we think what we want to think. Honey, I want to tell you something. Thinking your way, when you go down in the water... Okay, you renounce that. And you say, from now on, I'm thinking his way. Natalie, today you're giving your life entirely to Jesus Christ. To let him do what he wants to. To call you where he wants to. Mm -hmm. To do what he wants to do. And let me tell you something. It will always be good. You know, you're know you going to go through some hard times. You're going to go have doubts, fears, and everything else. But now you have recourse you can call on his name. You're covered with his blood. And so now we're ready for water baptism. Praise God.